three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening. We're the real pineapple, and they call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> okay, we just we just had to start recording again because of a technical difficulty, and Hunter just dropped the Mr. Glass impersonation twice on me, and it Boom. was even better, That's even it. better the second time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. This is uh, your humble co-host, Hunter, here, and I'm joined by the pride of Ireland. I'm here with Colin. Colin, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Talking about pretty sweet movie here, and we, it's had a couple sequels. One of them's about to come out next weekend. It, yeah, it's come out coming out on Friday. I'm seeing it Saturday morning, uh, uh, Saturday night actually. I'm gonna 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 hit up Burger Me before, and you know, get a little get a little, get a little hamburger up in me. But dude, so Unbreakable. So I I think it's kind of crazy to think about the fact. Uh, with Unbreakable, we, we we have to keep in mind that superhero movies weren't where they were, are now, back then. I mean, this was 2000 when Unbreakable came out. Guys, this movie was 18, like 19 years old. Crazy. Which, which is crazy to think about. Uh, it'll be 19 years old this November. And this is still one of the best performances Bruce Willis has ever had, which, again, is, is crazy. Um... What I think is just a trip to me is not only how brilliant, and I and I I don't use that word often, but brilliant this movie is, but but honest to God, man, if superheroes existed in the real world, like I I think a lot of people would go ahead and probably go ahead and maybe some people might lean towards kick ass, maybe as far as like a quote real world unquote representation of it but you think about the the grounded origin story of david dunn and of mr glass it it's crazy how the movie starts off with you know uh with david dunn <laughs> bruce willis's character uh being a real big man basically going oh hey this girl has a hip hat t- tattoo let me go and take my wedding ring off here <laughs> real quick oh yeah it starts in a really chill way <laughs> yeah like he just he sees i, I mean and, and admittedly the girl's gorgeous do not misunderstand but he's yeah. married he's married to claire from house of cards he's married to robin wright Penn. uh well robin wright now because she was married to sean Penn. god that's weird to think about but 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 he's married to robin wright and you know he starts talking to this girl like oh like hey like you know we do on the train it basically starts off like like the commuter, but it's way better than the commuter. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, can I, can I tell you a little story about that scene? Please, please. Yeah, so um, my wife and I, we went and saw Split when Your it came wife. out. Your wife, sorry. <laughs> yeah, my wife. Yeah, so so Nikki and I went and saw uh, Split in theaters, and she loved it. We both thought it was great. Um, but she had never seen Unbreakable, so she was like, I don't get the part at the end where Bruce Willis says they called him Mr. Glass. And uh, I was like, it's this crazy tie-in to a movie that M. Night Shyamalan did back in 2000, Unbreakable. 
And she's like, oh, well, we have to watch it. And we finally watched it a couple of days ago. So the movie starts and she sits down. And he takes his wedding ring off. And Nikki's just like, oh, what a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, and she's just like, this movie's about him. And I was like, yeah, I forgot about this scene. <laughs> this is pretty funny. I'm like, yeah, he's not actually the best dude to start out with. But you'll learn to like him. You will. I mean, it's a very, like... Th- now, to be fair, him and his wife are separate at the time. Like, just throw that out there. He's not pulling, you know, some, some Trump shit. Where, oops, where, where, where he just is being a goon. But, yeah, just throw it out there to play devil's advocate. Yeah, but not actively looking to get things working either (laughs) exactly like he's not minding the separation at that moment yeah like uh, it's almost like you know him and his wife are like the government because they're shut down from each other oh (laughs) topical (laughs) yeah i bet you can pinpoint when this was made yeah exactly exactly god trump is a goon but sorry no trump right it's all right anyways but but what's crazy is it cuts to um elijah who's played by samuel jackson who i don't think we appreciate how genuinely good of an actor Samuel Jackson is. I mean, I know he, you know, he yells, motherfucker, like, you know, as loud as he can, and, you know, does, you know, is, is super, you know, suave and badass. But this is one of his most granted performances. So you see, <coughs> pardon me, uh, young Elijah, um, and his mom, you know, comes up to him and goes, like, oh, hey, you know, I, I have a present for you. And. Uh, I, I'm blanking on the name of the uh, uh, of the disease he has, but his bones are just extremely brittle, and he has type one, by the way. So it could be way worse for him. But his his bones will literally break like glass, and so he says, you know, he goes like, oh, he goes, oh, I have a present for you, and he goes, oh, where is it? Oh, it's outside. What? And you see him, and his arms in a sling because he'd broken his arm, which. I broke my finger one time and I went, oh man, that is really painful. I don't want to break anything else. So I would imagine breaking your whole arm would not feel great. So when you see that and he goes across the street and gets the present, it's an action comics, which I went, that's really cool. Um, uh, oh, there's a duck back there. <laughs> yeah, did you hear that duck? Yeah, I did. Oh God, those mallards are just a pain. But, but you... You see Samuel Jackson, uh, Elijah, walk across the street, and his mom goes, hey, you know, I've got a lot of other comics I bought for you. You know, you just have to keep walking across the street, which I thought was really sweet because to be that fragile to the world and to be that guarded, that, that's that got to just be, an, an, you know, like, uh, it's got to be a burden on itself to know that you're that that brittle. And to have that strength to even just walk outside is crazy to to, to really think about. So when you think about it, what's crazy about this movie is that it's a tale of two opposites. You have David Dunn, Bruce Willis' character, who is nay-invulnerable. Like, he's so strong. Uh, There's a great scene of him lifting weights where I remember... Uh, so to, to, to throw it back here to you, Colin, here for for the Central Coast, uh, there's this theater in San Luis Obispo, California. Don't think it exists anymore. It's called the Palms. Or it was oh called yeah, the Palms. Love, love the Palms. And one of my favorite movies of me and Papa Hunter, uh, pointing up to the sky there. Um, we went and saw us together, and I remember this was one of my first exposures outside of you know Marvel and DC to a superhero in the real world, and that. It, 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 
13, I think I was 12 when I saw it, so let's see, 89, uh, so it's 87, yeah, I would have been like 12, 13 when I saw this, and this was mind-blowing to me as a kid, it was like, oh my gosh, what, like a grounded superhero story, and the twist at the end of this is still, uh, it's still mind-blowing to me, uh, what were kind of your first thoughts when you saw Unbreakable? Yeah, I, I was blown away. And this was when M. Night Shyamalan was like really becoming like this household name. Um, this was made a year after he did The Sixth Sense, which like basically took the country by storm. It was yes, like it a did. revolutionary horror film. Um, and it had a crazy twist, obviously. Um, yeah. it can't really spoil something from 1999, but turns out Bruce Willis might not have been alive the whole time. Say what? <laughs> what? Yeah, so um, to follow that up, and now you have Bruce Willis, you know, uh, starring in another M. Night Shyamalan film, and then you get the, another crazy twist at the end. I remember thinking, like, oh my god, M. Night Shyamalan, he's going to be the greatest director of all time. He's only going to make amazing movies. That didn't play out <laughs> yeah, no, didn't. how I thought it was. But I remember Unbreakable, um, yeah, man, like, so good. Uh, his direct directing style too it's like very slow burning the scenes build you know he's he'll start with this wide shot and really just kind of slowly go in on someone's face um you can kind of see the react the actors really being able to show a lot um in these shots with their expressions kind of like how the, the the kid is watching his dad well, you know, lift all the weights, and he's just like, "How much was that?" And he's just like, "All of it," you know. And it's like all these like little slow burn shots. Um, I remember I was blown away uh, when I when I saw it. I was I was like, just thought it was one of the coolest movies. And it's about superheroes. This is in a time where we were getting superhero movies, um, and now all of a sudden this one's like, you know, it's like an actually good, um, you know, kind of like. I shouldn't say actually good, but it was like this kind of award-winning style movie, like something that would like, you know, make noise at the Oscars type of movie. And you're getting it about superheroes. I mean, for me at the time when I was at a, at an age when I saw this, um, I was just like, this is this is the shit. This yeah, is so cool. So so what's crazy about this movie is that. Um... <laughs> Is that Elijah almost starts off like a groupie, and I mean in the sense of he's just he's basically stalking David. Like, look, you have these powers, you have these powers, and David rightfully so is like, I've met people like you. You know, you say all this shit, and then you go, all you have to do to, you know, go ahead and continue with this is pay me, you know, fifteen dollars or whatever. I mean, he he he's not wrong. Like when he puts that point out, I went, yeah, that's fair, fair enough, and. But Elijah is just, he's relentless with it. And so David is working security at a, uh, like a, like a, like a big stadium, right? And what's crazy about it is that when Elijah points out these little things, like, why do you think you worked, you picked a security job when you could have done anything else? You find out that David could have gone, he, he could have gone pro, like, let's be real, with, with football. And you find out he faked this injury because he was because he wanted to go ahead and stay um, keep his relationship with Robin Wright going and I gotta be honest dude to give up a professional football career for a girl uh, 
I don't know if that's love or if that's stupidity, <laughs> to, to be totally honest. Like, I, when he pointed that out, I went, eh, I went, okay, that's intense. You know, you God, know. And he's, like, he's the perfect football player. I mean, like, the biggest issue with the NFL is just, like, people get injured too, like, too harshly and they can't play. Um, he wouldn't get injured. Like, he'd be the, he would play every game. He would be in perfect condition for every game. Oh, man, what a waste. <laughs> just for a girl. Yeah right. Oh god, women are the worst. But I'm, <laughs> but what what's what I do love about this though is that their their son, uh, David's son, he there's a point where he's gonna shoot. <laughs> he's gonna shoot his dad. And I remember we watched this. I went. I forgot that at some point David David's son was gonna shoot him. I went. Wow, that is insanely intense. Number one, and number two. Uh, the uh, uh, Joseph Dunn, by the way, is is a character name. But what's a trip about this movie is that it's all it, it feels like it's in the real world. So David is denying this over and over and over. And I love the way Elijah Price, uh, Samuel Jackson's character, breaks it down, where he talks about how you know the 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 the, her- the heroic figures has like you know more of a a chiseled jawline, and you know the 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 the, the the villains are more bulky or maybe skinnier, but don't have that chiseled, you know, heroic jawline. And Elijah runs this really high-end art studio. And I'm not even going to lie, dude. When I was looking at the tray, uh, when I was rewatching this, I went, this would be me. There's this scene where this guy goes, oh, I want to buy this piece of art. And Elijah goes, you've made a great choice. He goes, oh, it's for my four-year-old. And Elijah basically goes, get the fuck out of here. And I went, that would be me. I'd be like, nope, I'm not even wasting my talent on some four-year-old who won't appreciate that. this. I, I love that scene so much. I went, oh, man, this would be me being the, the pretentious goon I can be about uh, about comic book stuff. Um, the action in this, it's very spread out. But... I think you hit the nail on the head when you said this is an M. Night film in the way that it is very much a slow burn. Because The Sixth Sense is very slow burn. But the reward you get at the end of this, oh my god, the, the reward is so worth the journey you go through. It's just, it's a mind, like, mind-blown, like, what sort of ending. Uh, yeah, if you kind of want to go ahead and talk about your thoughts about, the, like, the middle of the movie and everything. Yeah, the the... Especially the scene where Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson meet for the first time and have a sit down, um, and Bruce Willis has to like ask his his son to leave the room because it's just like too uncomfortable with all the ideas that he's filling into his son's head, which are actually true. And it comes out, um, but but that that scene was was. That's the whole movie right there is like the, is like the villain and, and the hero just sitting there and hashing it out. Um, and then, like you said, you get that um, second meeting at the end where all of a sudden Elijah discloses his his plan that he had been working towards to find him and uh, the big twist that drops at the end. I mean, and it's crazy. It, and it, this type of movie where you're so interested in like, how is this going to play out? Like, what is he going to do with his powers? Um, and just seeing it develop, like what is Elijah's role in all of this? 
and just how it all kind of ties in at the end. Like you don't you don't miss the action that you would get um, on a greater scale in a, in a movie of the time, like a like an X Men or, or Spider Man. So it was it was really cool, like the the, the different style of a, of how a comic book movie could play out. I was you know it, it's good that we have both. It's a very much it's more of a psychological thriller with a comic book backdrop. Yeah, and, definitely. And I think what's so interesting about this, uh, just as we kind of wrap up here, there's a scene where uh, David Dunn goes ahead and you know he's watching people kind of get into a, a, a stadium and he recognizes he sees this guy with like a long trench coat and he goes oh he probably has a gun on him and elijah isn't 100 percent sold on the fact that david dunn is who he says he is so he you know he's mr glass he's you know he's got a cane and everything so he's walking fast after this dude he falls and I'll be honest, dude, it takes a lot to make me cringe, but when Elijah, like, breaks his arm and his leg, I was like, oh my god, like, it is a cringe-worthy scene, but he sees a dude, you know, turn, and he sees a gun in his trench coat, and he goes, okay, like, David knew what he was talking about, and that is really the catalyst for Elijah to really keep prodding David and go, look, you have a gift, you have a gift. As someone who's a big Superman fan as a kid, and, and I, I, I still enjoy the hell out of Superman when he's written correctly. It's hard to write Superman, admittedly, but I love the fact that they bring up this thing where David almost drowned as a kid, and you kind of go, oh, that's kind of a throwaway thing. No, water is his kryptonite, and I'll be honest, the, the, it would have made a lot more sense to make uh, David Dunn black, because black people hate water. And <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I could play David Dunn. Like, I, I hate water. I've been, oh man, dude, if, if I was a superhero and someone threw me in water, I'd be screwed. I'd be like, okay, well, <laughs> been a good run, everybody. <laughs> but per- perfect kryptonite written for Hunter right there. Yeah, exactly. But that and white women. But I, but, but, <laughs> but I digress. Um, but the fact that water is David's kryptonite, and there's a scene where he saves these, um, these women who've been kidnapped um, near the end of the movie, he saves them. And it, it, it's a brutal scene. This this dude who kidnapped these these women, who's a piece of fucking shit, I cannot express that enough, um, he's throwing David against the walls and everything, and, and no effect. And that's when I'm sitting in the theater going, oh my god, like he's, he's invulnerable basically, except for water. And I went, oh my god, this is... Just crazy. And the score kicks in. And one thing's about this movie, too. There's not a lot of score except when there needs to be. And I, I, I love that about this movie. And something that Elijah brings up as I kind of wrap up here, when he touches people, David kind of can get a glimpse into what they're doing. So he, he touches this woman and um, he finds out he, he's been stealing jewelry, which I went you're a goon good for you but he touches this other guy that touches this guy and he's been he rapes this girl at a party and, and dude i i won't go off uh, off about that but dude, what a piece of fucking shit like it, it, it it's cringeworthy and you just go fuck this it happens in our world still um so when he beats this shit he beats this dude down and puts him in a chokehold that i went oh dude fucking shook his predator ass out um, who has these women tied up to a radiator and all this. David Dunn, man, when he shakes Elijah's hand at the end, and you find out that Elijah was behind this train, uh, this train crash that, um, uh, that David Dunn survived. 
uh, I think they said like two hundred people died in the crane in, in the uh, in the train accident, and David's the only one to survive. I mean, first off, the guilt you'd feel to be the one person to survive this horrendous train crash, and let me ex- let me tell you, it is a horrendous train crash, by the way. And the fact that that, that wide shot it goes ahead and portrays when he's walking out of the emergency room and the doctor goes you don't have a scratch on you and there's all these people who are just mourning over their loved ones it is a gut punch when you see that it's like oh my god so i mean wrapping up for me dude this is a fan fucking tastic i love this movie so much and this was like (coughs) pardon me a huge floor and a huge influence for me for me not only getting the film but me getting the comic book movie. So I love this movie. This is a fan-fucking-tastic. Colin, wrap up your thoughts and give me a grade, man. Talk to me. Yeah, this is a fan-fucking-tastic for me, too. Uh, yeah, this, this is like an old classic. I have, I have like, you know, like 20 films from, like, when I was around this age when this came out of movies that were just, like, completely, like, blew me away. A lot of them, you know, a common theme was, like, movies that really had great twists. You know, there's, like you know, usual suspects and fight club and some other ones like that. Great choices, but, uh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this kind of was like, uh, in that same line where it was just like, um, the movie's so interesting. And, and so, uh, you like, you're just so intrigued by what the hell is going to play out. Um, once you get to the end and you, and you hear like the, the twist, it's just, it, it blows you away. Um, you know, it, it would suck to have this movie spoiled for you um Agreed. you know yeah at, the, at this point like sorry if you haven't seen it you're just you're probably gonna know it's been 18 years it's been yeah, yeah years. you know like this. almost 19 like, years you should see this by now if somebody was to like watch this unknowingly like like uh you know like a you know a younger person who who um if they stumbled across this like i would just i would kill to have that feeling of watching this for the first time again because it's right? it's amazing it's it's such a great mystery and thriller to to watch and unfold and the fact that it's all tied into comic book movies yeah definitely definitely had a big influence on me too that's fair man so guys it, you've seen unbreakable i'd hope you've seen unbreakable if you haven't please like let us know what you thought in the comments below if you've seen this for the first time i greatly envy you because i just adore this movie um I hadn't watched it in a couple years, about about a year. Pardon me, but uh, I I still love this movie. So let us know what you thought in the comments below. You can like us on Facebook at the Real Pineapple. You can follow yours truly on Twitter at J Hunter Real Pineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Nearman the First. And you can follow Colin on Twitter. Hi Buster, I love you. And you can follow Colin on Twitter at. Oh, the real O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Better late than never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can like us on Facebook at The Real Pineapple. Uh, guys, we'll have a review up this weekend for Glass, along for a review up for uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys have a good weekend. You guys take care. Peace.